Good evening, everybody. How are you? I hope you are all well. I am Sean from Encounter Church, and I am very excited to uh, be joined by all the local pastors here in the Maple Valley area. And uh, we just want to, hey, if you can hear us, we, you want to just give us give us some thumbs ups and some likes just so we can make sure that you guys are hearing everything all right. I'm sure you are. But uh, we are just, we are so excited for what the Lord wants to do tonight. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing well. Good. You're doing good. Hello. We got here. It was a journey to get here, but we got here. Made it. And uh, I'm excited. The reason I'm excited about tonight is we obviously were doing something a little bit different. We are all um, self uh, social distancing and we're doing social distancing church. Um, I know as a, you know, I am, I have already been telling, you know, the people at my church that I am really probably going to overdo it on the hugging for like the next couple of months when we get back together. It's just going to be a lot of excessive uh, hugging, but we are in unprecedented times. I mean, that's just the truth. It's unprecedented times. But I think one of the beautiful things about what we are celebrating tonight is, although this is an unprecedented time in history, what we are celebrating tonight is also an unprecedented time in history. That literally time is divided by the very event that we are celebrating this weekend. And, and, and it's a landmark. And, and I, I just believe in the season that we're in now and the unique way that we are even having to kind of articulate uh, the Good Friday service. Uh, it's unprecedented, it's unique, but I am just believing and I am declaring over you tonight, those of you who are watching on the stream, God wants to do something powerful in your life tonight. He is going to do something powerful in your life tonight. He has not abandoned us. He has not forgotten us. He is right here. He is right next to you. He is right behind you. And the most beautiful part is in him, we live and move and have our being. He is in you and he is residing in you. He is not in heaven, wringing his hands, trying to figure out what's going on. He is, he is here. He is with us and he is our, our source of hope, strength. And so our hope is tonight that we can just be an encouragement of joy to you and be an encouragement of of what the gospel is and what the good news is in the start of Good Friday. So we're excited to do this. I know these guys are excited. We've been at this and talking about this. And so, first of all, would you just like and share this? If you know somebody who needs some encouragement tonight, just like and share this with your friends on your Facebook feed. And then also we've got some moderators um, that if we have some time towards the end, if you guys wanna ask some questions, cause we're gonna be talking about some, some tough things tonight. So if you guys have questions, we definitely want to do that as well. So without further ado, I am going to turn it over to Pastor Pete, my man, and uh, we're going to get going. Thank you, Sean. This has been a real joy to, to work with you and for everybody coming together. And uh, I think um, my role is to, to ask the questions that we thought were the most important questions that, that uh, you, would, you would ask a pastor. And so often, if those of us that go to church, a pastor's up there, maybe 20 minutes, maybe an hour, and it's not a dialogue, is it? It's just a monologue. But we want this to be a conversation. And so uh, one of the joys that I have as a new pastor in our community just the past two years was being invited into a fellowship of pastors that meet every Wednesday for prayer. And uh, that history goes, uh, goes back many years. And so uh, before we begin with the first question, many of you don't aren't aware of, of that history. And so I love to turn to our good friend, uh, Steve Murray, to say a word about that and then some introductions, and then we'll jump into the first question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 20 years ago, uh, I went to a prayer meeting with Ken Mitchell, 
and uh, got to meet him and Jonathan Morris and uh, a couple other pastors. And uh, we started meeting every Wednesday and started praying together. We were meeting once a month at first, and we realized that's not going to cut it. And then we, we added every week. And uh, ever since then, we've become not only great uh, prayer partners and supporting one another through uh, some of the challenging things that different pa pastors have gone through over the years, but we've also uh, worked together and uh, done outreaches together and shared best practices with one another. And then, uh, you know, Vine Maple Place came out of uh, our meetings together as well. One of the pastors from Generational Hope, uh, the pastor there, uh, Dave Easterly at that time, uh, some people in his church had a vision to do this and they realized this is bigger than one church. And we all decided to rally together. We raised money and we bought the first units of Vine Maple Place. And, uh, and then uh, Maple Valley Presbyterian at the time with David Deal, uh, had somebody in the congregation that had a vision, Colleen Starr, and yeah. she gra grabbed a hold of Vine Maple Place, and she ran with it. And and today, it's uh, helping uh, people from entering into homelessness and working with clients all all over uh, Southeast King County and doing a tremendous job. And of course, just finished building the Hope Center, a five and a half million dollar building that is uh, debt free, all because pastors came together and pray. And uh, so some really cool stuff has happened, uh, including this call uh, uh, on Good Friday. This is a tradition that started out of Maple Valley Press uh, uh, about 10, 12 years ago. And we all just joined in and got became a part of that. Uh, tonight's going to be a little bit different because even though we're going to recognize Good Friday and talk all through that, it's going to be more of a conversation. Uh, but it's going to be powerful as well. Uh, so I want to introduce everybody to you, uh, first of all. Um, I'm going to look at them in the order that I see them because it might be different in your screen. You might be watching on a phone or whatever. But when I say your name, if you guys could say howdy and, and give a little wave. Uh, Ken Mitchell from New Community. Hello, all. It's good to see you. And Justin Garland from Generational Hope. How's it going? Good to see you. And Lincoln Dyer from Maple Valley New Life. Oh, guys. He is. And then, of course, we talked to Pete and uh, from Maple Valley Church. Howdy. And John from Encounter Church. Hola. And then Rob. What's happening, Rob? Out in Hobart. I didn't know Hobart, you were out there. Hobart, Hobart, Rob. Going well. And then there's Rob Walker. Rob Walker from Black Diamond at Imagine Church. And then, then down at the bottom here, we have Eric Ingstrom. Oh, welcome. And let me change the channel here. Do I get, did I get everybody? That's what I'm seeing here. Yeah, okay, cool. Yep, got you got it. You got okay. it. And Steve Murray from Real Life Church. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get started with the first question. And as Sean mentioned, if you have a question, uh, please post that uh, on Facebook. And as we're able, uh, we're going to have time uh, a little bit later in, in our time together to try to answer those questions. But we'll see how many questions uh, we already have in mind tonight. So the first question, oh, well, the first question is actually on me to answer. <laughs> Ken, I'm going to need a little help. You give uh -huh. me a little backup, okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> question number one, what is Good Friday? Good question. What is Good Friday and why do Christians want to talk about Jesus's death and burial and not the resurrection? It's a great question. On, on Good Friday, we remember the day 
that Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross. And the reason we talk about Good Friday before we get to Easter is we need to hear that, that bad news before we hear the good news. What, what happened on that day to Jesus was absolutely horrific. It was not good in any way what happened to him, but the result of it was good for all of us. And that's why we remember Good Friday. And, and I just want to just briefly mention at least three things that, that make it good news for us and why we would mark this day in the solemn occasion of remembering his sacrifice for us. Je Jesus had to die because first and foremost, we were all very, very far from God. Uh, the, the Bible says that in Ephesians 2.13, we were brought near through the blood of Christ. And that, that's a, a clear emphasis when we celebrate uh, and mark uh, this Holy Week and this occasion. So yeah. he, he had to go uh, and, and bring us near. He, he had to bring us near. That was the second reason. He had to bring us closer because our relationship with God was so far off. He wanted to bring us closer uh, to God. First uh, Peter 3.18 says, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And, and finally, with Good Friday, in, with Jesus dying on the cross, he revealed to us God's character. And so there's a, a passage called Romans 5.8. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So on Good Friday, Christians around the world are gathering to, to remember the sacrifice of Christ and to remember the example of, of God's love and the character of God's love, but also the seriousness that God takes with our sin that separates us from him. And so it's time for us to celebrate our Lord, our Savior, and, and to tell the world of his love. That, that's, that's, it. that's it in a nutshell. Ken, what do you got? Well, you know, for, for me, there were two aspects of um, Good Friday that really came to light. One is, one was 12 years ago when we started this, just the experience of it. And I'll talk about that in a second. And uh, one was just a simple quote. You ever get a memory verse or a quote that just goes, aha, and this is years ago, but and I can't, you know, you're going to have to say Ken quoted it because I have no idea who, who made this quote. But if it were not for the crucifixion, my sins were not, would not be forgiven. And if it was not for the resurrection, I would not have eternal life. And so it really brought in some just, you know, amazing moments like how important this night is. And uh, we just want to thank you all for being here and coming. And, and for the, many of you for being here for over a decade. And I remember that for first couple of years of going and how um, to this day, it was one of my favorite services ever because of just how we went from a, a lighted room right now and it just got darker and the bell rung every time. Uh, and we began to celebrate this way. The experience of that, that service, really left me uh, with an impression, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. And it really hit me in a special way as well. Those two things, I think, really brought to light um, in an experiential way of what we just heard Pete so adequately share of why Good Friday is so important to remember what he did. And at communion, we do that. Do this in remembrance of me. And this night, we certainly should remember that. Amen. Amen. It's a good word, Ken. Okay, uh, question number two, and this goes out to, to Lincoln. Uh, this is a the question that's been asked uh, for 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 millennial, for millenniums, uh, thousands of years. If God is all good and all powerful, 
why is he allowing COVID-19? Is this God's judgment? And why does God allow suffering? Well, I think, um, I think we all go through suffering in life, and that's a common question, especially when you look at all around the world, people are suffering. And if you aren't, then you know someone who is, um, whether it be um, the virus or um, unemployment or maybe a family member that's hurting right now. And uh, we often ask ourselves this question, well, why do we suffer? And I think I have brand new perspective. I mean, most of you guys have, have children, but we just had our first child, six months old, me and Amber. And um, I look at suffering completely different. Um, I can go through suffering and I can handle a lot. Um, but to imagine my six month year old going through a suffering, uh, I just can't take it. That's too much for me. And I think much of my life is surrounded by preventing her from suffering. You know, she cries, okay, so how can we mend it? Does she need a diaper change? Does she need to be fed? Does she need to be birthed? Is she hungry? And we're constantly managing her crying or her suffering. But I've come to a realization that um, for the rest of my life, I might try to prevent uh, or protect her from, from suffering. The fact is she will suffer. And I think uh, when you look to the Bible, 1 John 16, 33 says, in this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then he says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. I think oftentimes in a world today where maybe we're, we're chasing comfort um, and trying to do uh, the most, the easiest way with the least amount of suffering, I think that's maybe uh, an unhealthy perspective um, because the fact is when we hit troubles or suffering, we don't know what to do with ourselves. But the thing is that Jesus mentions is he says, hey, there will be trouble trouble and you can expect it but I believe there's this in this suffering and trouble there's this beautiful exchange I love that song that Hillsong came out with years ago but there's this exchange from our suffering for his peace you know he doesn't say you're not going to have suffering but he says I have something greater and um, there's a point where self-manufactured happiness um, isn't enough anymore in America all around the world um, but we need God's peace. And uh, I want us all to hear that. You said millennials. I want us all to hear this, that there's a point where our self-manufactured happiness isn't enough anymore. Our coping, our um, seeking our own happiness to fulfill ourselves. Uh, there's a time where that just gets old and oftentimes is revealed uh, when a pandemic happens, when the things that we've relied on are stripped from us. The things that have given us our independence and self-sufficiency is taken away. Well, now what do we have? And then God swoops in. And he says, I have peace. I have joy, something that you can't give yourself. And um, one thing that's so inspiring for me, actually, it changed my complete perspective of living life with faith through suffering. And it's a, it's a Bible story. Many of us know it, but it literally changed my whole perspective when I, when I read it. And that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're, they're facing certain death. They're facing uh, a fiery furnace that they're about to be thrown into because they're not going to bow down to the king of the day. And the king says, I will throw you in this furnace unless you bow down to me. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, said some of the most incredible words. He, they said, we will not bow down. Our God will save us. Now, if you stop there, that's 
that's going to take an incredible amount of confidence, incredible amount of peace and faith to say that. But then they go as far to say this. They say, but even if he doesn't, we will not cave in. And I think that these are these moments that really define who we are as Christians, who we trust in, whom we trust in, and will determine if we receive God's peace. But God says, you trust me through every season and you exchange my suffering, your suffering for my peace. And that peace will sustain us. Amen. Amen. And there was another one in the fire with him through that. That's a beautiful word. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Rob, would you like to kind of... Yeah, I'm just going to throw a couple verses in there. Yeah. Everything that Lincoln said was perfectly clear and true. I just preached through 1 Peter, and two verses really struck, struck me. And then 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. And then 1 Peter 5.10 says, And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's the promises we have from his word. He allows suffering because he has eternal things that he's working through it in our lives. Amen. Amen. Okay, gentlemen, the next question, this one's for uh, starting off with uh, Pastor Steve. Uh, the stimulus checks are, are supposed to be coming next week, uh, but there's a great deal of anxiety, stress, and fear nationwide. What are churches doing to meet physical needs? What, what are the things that are happening in our community? Yeah, it's a great question because, um, and it's, it requires a lot of creativity because when we found out that we couldn't uh, go to our offices and we couldn't uh, have public gatherings and do all the things that we normally do, uh, we had to get creative. Uh, and it's amazing how quickly churches pivoted, which is, is, is a, a great tribute to all of you guys here and, and the other pastors that aren't uh, able to be here tonight. But uh, what we, what almost across the board, everybody started getting on the phone and calling their most vulnerable uh, family members and church members, and especially the seniors. Uh, I know that most churches are calling their seniors uh, and those that have been uh, struggling uh, financially or even with health and then start going through our database and just checking in on people. I mean, that's a basic thing that, that we're all doing. And uh, those of us that have leadership teams and uh, pastors on our staff or volunteers uh, uh, are releasing some of that. So that's not just one pastor doing it. So that's been very powerful and we're and seeing some great results from all of that. Uh, but then also, you know, uh, one of the, the big things that's happening right now is, is food banks have got a lot of pressure on them because people have a greater need for food and support. Uh, and so a, a lot of our churches have been uh, donating to our local food bank in Covington and Maple Valley. Uh, and I know that um, there's been a lot of uh, food drives that have begun. In fact, there was one today that uh, was for the storehouse. Uh, outside of our church there uh, right on the street out there they were uh, they collected over 700 pounds of food and so uh, churches are starting to do that the the, the cool thing about uh, one of the things like Vine Maple Place when it was started 
It was started by the pastors. So was the um, Covington Food Bank. It was started by a handful of pastors that all work together. And to this day, we have Peace Lutheran and the, the Methodist Church and, and the Catholic Church and, and uh, Real Life Church and, and uh, Alliance Bible and, and uh, the Covington Community Church all working together trying to make this food bank happen. And man, the pressure's on. And so uh, things like that are happening. Uh, I, I wrote down a couple other things that a lot of people are doing things like drive-by prayer and uh, so that people can come by the churches and out front the church and get prayer and they come out to their car and pray for them. Some of the churches are taking parades of people out praying for people and doing drive-by check-ins and prayer for people. And that's been pretty cool as well. Well, another thing that's been happening is all the churches are working really hard on are getting their technology up, up to par. And so one thing that we're going to do coming out of this thing is our churches, we're going to recognize the value of a camera. We're going to recognize the value of technology and our people are all going to know how to Zoom. I was on a call the other day with our seniors group and all, all the seniors were on Zoom. And uh, I, I thought that was an impossible feat to accomplish. And man, they got on it and they loved it. And so now it's happening. The North of 60 is rocking the Zoom. So that's pretty cool. But, you know, these are the kinds of things that we do. Uh, you know, people are making masks and uh, uh, lots of churches are making masks for uh, healthcare workers and for the congregation members and things like that. Um, you know, another thing that um, is happening is by Maple Place. Uh, meals are being taken to buy Maple Place. A lot of uh, individuals from our churches and churches are uh, supplying meals. Uh, so that by Maple's clients and uh, the people that are in need at this time are getting what they need. And so those are some of the practical things that we're doing. But then there's also the spiritual things as well, uh, which includes a lot of prayer and a lot of support in that way. And these live streams have been life for people. I know a lot of you guys that are here, the pastors are sh shoving out content, blogs and videos and all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the things that we try to send out so that we keep the message of hope high and keep the anxiety low. And so that fear doesn't dominate. Fear is real. It's going to happen, but it can't direct us. Fear is an emotion that we, we recognize, but we don't take our direction from fear. We take it from the word of God and from the wisdom that we have from the collective of all of us. And, uh, and then, then we, we make the right decisions and move forward, but we don't let fear control our picture of the future. I mean, it might start to try to rattle it a little bit, but we always keep our mind on a brightful future because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one that gives us hope, the eternal hope is right there with us guiding our steps. That's a good word. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Rob, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts and insights about this question as well. Yeah, I, you know, the, the fear issue is a really big issue right now and going through a crisis like we're going through. Um, I think all of us as pastors, not only with the physical needs, but have been thinking a lot about, you know, how do we encourage our people? How do we, how do we stay encouraged? And what does the Bible say about that? And um, as I was thinking about that and working with my congregation, um, you know, I, I was reminded really of what Jesus did um, literally hours before um, he was crucified. Um, almost right before Good Friday, he had a meeting with his disciples. 
And I thought, you know, if, if I had a meeting, if we had a meeting with Jesus right before this crisis happened, what would he say to us? And I think he would probably say something very similar that he said to them, which was, you know, hey, I'm speaking this to you in advance. And he was speaking it in advance to prepare them for what they were about to go through, knowing that their, their whole paradigm was about to be just shattered. They were about to disperse in disillusionment, really kind of running and fearing for their lives. Peter was about to deny even knowing Jesus. All these things were about to happen. And Jesus prepared them with words in advance. And what he told them is that he says, peace I, I give you. He says, my peace I give you. And, and he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. And that those are really the words. And that's, that's how we handle and can deal with the, the fear and the uncertainty and the unknown. It is really um, trusting Jesus and, and receiving a peace that the world doesn't give and the world can't take away. And I think this, this crisis has probably challenged all of our faith and, and, and caused us to ask the question, what do I believe here? Am I going to trust Jesus through this? And those words, I think those are probably some of the most comforting words. And to know that he said that to his disciples right before a crisis that they went through, it applies so well to us. And so I just pray that over the congregations and the people watching, if you haven't received that peace, where you truly have an anchor of hope and peace that is available to you. And it's just believing what Jesus said and trusting in his faithfulness in your life. Oh, that's a good word. That's so encouraging. Uh, thank you, Rob, for that. Okay. Pastor P, one quick. Um, Please, you know, Pastor Steve was mentioning just different resources practically. One thing that um, we want to make available to everyone, doesn't matter what church, you don't even need to go to church. If you know uh, a widow, um, if you know a single mom, single dad, someone who lost their job, that's just a need of some basic supplies, some food. Um, they can go to nlchurch.com. So someone can list that in the comments, nlchurch.com. And there'll be a, a link right up front. It just says, get help. All you have to do is click get help. Um, you can also donate there if maybe you have a plethora of supplies, I'm sure. A storehouse, they're receiving some donations, um, Maple Valley Food Bank, and then even uh, New Life Church on Sundays from 9 to noon um, and Wednesdays, 9 to noon, we're receiving some donations. Um, and so that's just a resource literally for the whole community if you guys have any needs or maybe you have an abundance and you want to give. That's, that's very helpful, Lincoln. There's going to be a, there's going to be a, a, a drag behind this as We've seen millions of our fellow citizens losing their jobs, people in our region that are, are unemployed, and there's going to be that need just going to continue. And so we're going to adapt as a church uh, together with Big C Church uh, to make sense of this. So yeah, please post um, your thoughts, insights, links to uh, services that, um, that we can all uh, share in. Uh, this next question goes to Justin. Hey, Justin, how you doing, buddy? Hey, good. Thanks. Right. You can relate to this one. Con context, right? Um, some people love being home with family and working from home. I know you love your, your wife and your kids very much. This person says, but, but my marriage and family is so dysfunctional. I miss going to work. My kids are fighting. How do I deal with family and marriage problems in a pandemic? 
Yeah, that's a, a great question. You know, I think we all, whether we like to be at home or uh, really enjoy our families and wives or not, I think we all can relate um, to it. You know, it's uh, for me, it's kind of a gut check time where it's like, you know, you think in your head, like you have this, you know, great family, great marriage, that your life's kind of going on. And then when you look at the mirror and kind of see the reality of, you know, where things are at, um, I think it's one of those moments where, you know, we're either going to, you know, what's, what's the old saying, put up or shut up, right? Um, and I think it's amazing um, what busyness can hide. Um, even when you're at work for eight hours, um, it's amazing how um, a lot can be hidden when we're busy or when we're just gone for the day. And um, I think it's a great opportunity to um, take advantage of this time, you know, and that's kind of some of the things that my wife and I are trying to do through this and, and really seize these moments and seize this opportunity with our kids because um, we're not going to get another opportunity like that. So um, just a little personal story. So last August, um, the beginning of August on August 4th, our family had a house fire and we've, we're still out of our house. It's being rebuilt and we're so excited to get back in it. Um, but in August, we um, lived in a hotel for six weeks and then we lived in an apartment for four months. And even right now, um, there's six of us living in a uh, two bedroom trailer. And uh, so we're just getting to know each other real well and having a, a good time doing it. And so we've uh, been able to kind of live this out uh, firsthand and it's, it's not easy. Um, but we've, my wife and I have, have said um, catastrophes they try to tear you apart. Um, our, our house fire, I think the, the enemy of our soul wanted us to be torn apart. And we kind of took it as um, this can either tear us apart or this can be the fuel in our life to bring about change that God um, wants to have. And so um, I just would encourage you in this moment, if you're kind of if your rose colored glasses have come off and you're realizing that your marriage isn't perfect and your kids aren't the perfect little angels that you thought they were, um, to really ask God to give you wisdom and some keys and how you can uh, seize this day and, uh, and use it for his good. You know, um, First Timothy tells us that our family's our first ministry. And I think it's so easy, especially for husbands or, or wives who are working out um, out of the home, you know, Monday through Friday, um, that's important. And that's how we feed our families. But we got to remember that our first ministry that we're going to be held accountable to is our, is our families, is our kids and our spouses. And, and so I think that's good motivation for me anyways. And, um, and I just would encourage you in this time to be intentional with one another. Um, when my wife and I had the fire and, and a lot of our life changed, uh, we sat down and we said, what are things that we've always wanted to do with our kids to be more intentional, to create some, some great family values? What are all those things that we wanted to do? And now is a great time to start. So I would encourage you um, to, to take advantage of those times and, and really dig deep and say, what are things that we've always wanted to do? And now we've got time uh, to do it because we're together a lot. Um, and I think, too, another thing um, 
that I think is important for, for parents. And you've got to, you know, judge the age of your kids and how this works. But I think sometimes as parents, we're afraid to be transparent around our kids uh, because we feel like we're supposed to protect them and guard them. And, and I'd say, you know, use wisdom, but it was really good for us um, with our kids and really let them know that, hey, we're we're a little confused too by what's going on. We don't know fully what's going to happen. Um, when we had our fire, you know, our kids were scared and they didn't know and they didn't know where we were going to live. And, and we just were able to be transparent. You know, we didn't cause extra fear in their hearts, um, but we were able to be transparent with them and let them see that, hey, we're real humans too. And this is a great opportunity for the whole family to really learn how to trust God, really learn how to lean on him and allow him to be our strength uh, through these times. Um, Justin, I got I just got to say, talking about keeping it real, can you lift your hands so everybody can see your hands right now? I'm lift sorry. I've been painting and uh, it doesn't come off as well as I Yeah, no? I like six times I wash my hands. So thanks for bringing it up though. I appreciate it. Oh, you're keeping it real. Hey, Are I you washing it. your hands? I love it. I love it. Yeah, so that, and then I guess the last thing I would say is, um, to teach our kids that even in times of pain, and Lincoln, you said it so well about suffering, um, that even in these pain moments and these hard moments that God is still faithful, God is still there, he's still good, and it's a great opportunity that we get a model what it really means to lean into him. And so uh, that's what I got to say on that. That's a good word. Uh, Sean, did you want, do you want to chime in? Oh, no, no. I was just making sure that he's washing his hands. That's all. That's really important. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, friends, everyone watching uh, on live stream, uh, we are going to now sort of take a, a break from you listening to pastors, and we want to listen to the Lord. We're going to go to a time of worship. Uh, this may be a time where you need to, to, to do something and come back, but we want to try as best we can to, to stay in a spirit of, of worship together. Uh, we have a just a 10-minute video of, of worship from Maple Valley Church led by uh, our worship pastor, Rob Wood. Uh, but I just want to introduce that to you. Uh, ask God to bless you, Father. We pray that that you would um, send the Spirit in a powerful way in these next uh, minutes of worship, Lord, that we'd be drawn uh, deeper into your presence, God, and we would reflect even on the questions and answers we've already have had at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. May you be blessed by this time of worship, and we'll see you in about 10 minutes with more questions. Post your questions if you have them. Thank you. Amen. The Bible says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth fruit. Amen. There might be things in your life tonight you feel like are dying or I've died, <laughs> so much ab abrupt change, uh, it's not easy. But some things, you know, when they die, the Lord still uses it. He uses that seed, something dies in us that makes something else come alive. So we're just gonna ask that the life of God be in your house, be in your place, uh, be with your family tonight. The life of Jesus Christ would fill up uh, your room, your living room, um, would fill up your computer screen, <laughs> your TV screen, that you'd have freedom tonight and, and peace that surpasses understanding.
peace that doesn't even make sense sometimes.
God is holding on, holding on to you right now, friends. Thank you so much for staying with us this evening, this Good Friday evening. Pastors throughout our, our region gathering together to answer uh, the most pressing questions, the most important, relevant questions to our faith, to our life, to our circumstances as a nation, as a people uh, around the globe. These questions are being asked, and we're finding the answers in Christ. Uh, the next question we have uh, uh, goes to Rob, and actually uh, it's going to be Rob and Sean sharing this. Uh, Pastor Robert, here's the question. Uh, I'm not a church person, but I do believe in God. Do you think more churchgoers will realize church isn't so much about going to a building and stop going to church on Sundays? Will we ever, ever return to normal? Well, as a pastor, I can't really advocate skipping attending church. That's not my job, is it? Uh, however, as part of the body of Christ, you're right. The, the church is way more than a building. In fact, it may be being emphasized even more now than ever before in the life of the church that we have the Holy Spirit living within us as believers, and we are bound together regardless of what is happening in, in the world around us. The true believer uh, actually becomes the temple of God uh, when we receive Christ as our Savior. So there is a sense in which uh, we don't have to be in the building to be part of God's family and to worship him. However, having said that, the word of God is very clear that we're not to avoid or skip uh, the, the assembling of ourselves together. Having said all this, I really think we can't expect to be totally normal again. I, I think that what has happened to us now is going to change the way we do things. And I think that God wanted it that way. So I, I know for myself, who has always kind of scorned the idea of electronics. This has been a trying time, but I can tell you that having done this, it's going to change the way I do things. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with sharing devotions online every day. Why can't I do that when we're back to normal, right? Uh, so all of that is there. I think God is using this time of separation uh, to bring us to become more dependent on him and Christ-like in our attitudes and actions. And I know God has been working on my life to rethink how I worship personally. What are my motives? Am I doing it so everybody else sees me? Or am I doing it because I need a relationship with God? I think that it's going to change the way we view worship in the church. And no, I don't think we're ever going to be totally normal again. It's a good word. Uh, Sean, you want to chime in on being normal and yeah. doing church? I don't know anything about being normal. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of how we do this anyway. We are, I, I think one of the things that we're going to be able to take away, what I'm loving about the Holy Spirit is saying, Sean, what, what are you bringing into this season? What are you going to take out of this season? I think as the church, as the, I mean, man was not designed to be alone. We are all going to become such amazing huggers when this is over, Okay. We, we're, we, were, we were birthed out of community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're, our, our existence comes out of love and community. We're designed for community. We're designed to be together. But here's a $10 word, the ecclesia, the church. What does the church look like now? Like, what does that look like? And so 
I just think one of the things that's going to be really great is, yes, we are the church when we are gathering together and we're worshiping together. But then what is it also like to be the church in your neighborhood, the church with your neighbor across the street? And I, that's what I've been loving is I've been loving, even though now you have to wear a mask and it's hard to tell that you're smiling. We're being the church and we're being a reflection of the goodness of God when we're walking into the store and just saying, how you doing? You good? And it's really wonderful because right now you find people are willing to be vulnerable, are willing to say, you know, this, this isn't easy right now. And, and we get to be that reflection and that, that voice of Holy Spirit and Papa to them and saying, you're going to be okay. This is going to pass. And so I think that's part of being the church is us being, the, it, it's just forcing us to be the church in multiple places. So, so um, I think in a way, you know, maybe, yeah, some things are going to be a little bit different, but in another way, I just think this is, it's, it's stretching us into a really beautiful moment. So I, that's what I love. Sean, that's really encouraging. And even as we're talking about the church, you have to let Ken back into church. We lost Pastor Ken. Oh. <laughs> so everyone's welcome in church, including uh, Pastor Ken. Yeah, Steve. He, I, I was thinking this. I think the one thing that I've heard from our people the most is how much they realize the, the importance of community in their lives. And so even though uh, uh, our Christian faith isn't limited to a building uh, that we gather in, uh, it is a place that we do gather in. And that's where we, we do experience community in a beautiful way, where we worship corporately together, where, where we uh, hear the word corporately. And there's something powerful about that. And I, I, it can't replace what you do outside the building, but uh, neither can what you do outside the building replace what's inside the building uh, because it is powerful. And that's where a lot of us, uh, our spiritual formation took place. And that's where we met some of uh, the greatest friends we'll ever have. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're able to keep community when there is no building it's because at one time we had gathered together in community. That's right. Good awesome. work. And, I know we're trying to keep it short, but I just want to add a plus on that. Yeah. Uh, one people group that um, that we may be missing too is all the thousands of people that are moving to our area. You know, we all know somebody within our church and have already found our best friends. We, we have already found community life groups. But um, when things get back to normal, um, as jobs pick back up, economy, um, there will continue to be thousands of people moving into our area, maybe like Covington area, how they will need a church. Their children will need a place to plug in and find, uh, to be disciples. They're going to need that contact. Uh, their youth are going to need to need a hope in a world today. Uh, not, not to mention uh, marriages are going to need a touch, you know, from the community to be restored. They're going to, there's going to be all kinds of things that the church offers that online platforms just don't do justice. I was talking to my buddy today. Um, he's an extrovert. He's going crazy right now. And he's like, man, like this church online um, is incredible. But what if we have to do it for a year? You know, it's like people, I think when we finally get back to our buildings, um, you're going to see an explosion in online and you're going to see an explosion in the church. I think people are just so hungry for personal connection. Like, like Pastor Sean was talking about, um, we're, it's going to be a hugging spree. Yeah, we we'll look forward to that. I'm a hugger too. That's going to be a beautiful thing. All right, next question. Uh, this one's going to Eric first. Eric, uh, this question is, uh, I'm single and I feel so vulnerable during the stay-at-home mandate. 
how can I process my feelings now that I'm isolated from my community support? We're sort of talking about the need for community. Uh, when I uh, when I was often already feeling vulnerable before the pandemic, now feeling even more vulnerable, uh, a single person on their own. What what would you say to that person? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, not just for the single person, um, but I think all of us have times you no know, feel feel lonely. And basically, just the the quick answer is no. Jesus, in a way, has taken our loneliness and that we need to meditate on his love and to understand that. And really this question really um, is a great question for today, for Good Friday. Because when we looked to what Jesus did on Good Friday, dying for us, the, the writers of the gospels record seven different things that he spoke. And most of the things he said, we see Jesus in control. We see Luke talking, recording when he forgives those who nail him to the cross. We see him having compassion on the person next to him. Um, we also see John um, recording that Jesus was a good, a good son to his his earthly mother by saying, you know, this is your, your new son. And it also shows him as reliable, saying it is finished. But both Matthew and Mark record one thing that I know when I was younger, Christian, it was really disturbing. And this is when he cries out after the darkness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for us really to understand this, we understand that the backstory of Jesus has existed for all of creation and before creation. In perfect love, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit created all that we have around us and he had this perfect fellowship and then after we sinned and thousands of years later he came to to earth to uh, make a way for us but even when he was on earth and walking here for 33 years he still had this communion with his father he we always see him going off to the mountainside to spend time with his father we see before this um this this horrible but good night him spending just you know sweating in prayer with his father and then he goes to cross to see all these great things, but then there's one statement to understand it. I believe that of all the things that Jesus gave up, I think this was the hardest when he was separated from God in a way that allowed the full wrath of God to pour upon him so that our sins can be taken away. He suffered utter separation, utter silence from God. Um, I would rather hear God telling me I'm doing something wrong than have him just simply no longer speak. And so he experienced just utter being alone so that we would no longer have to be alone. Um, he took away our sins in, in this. And just, this is something that I believe really um, wrecked him. And when he said, my God, my God, why forsake me? This, he was crying this out. This wasn't just quoting Psalms um, 20, but he was saying, my God, my God, where have you gone? Why have you forsaken me? Because he was feeling the full wrath of God upon him so that we can have hope. Um, and in that realization, we need to apply that to our life through prayer. Um, the Apostle Paul teaches us in Ephesians 3 that we are to look at the, um, the, um, the breadth and the width and the length and the depth of God's love. And so we, um, we do this by when we look at how, how wide his love is. We see that you know, our, nothing separates us from this um, God. We see how long it is. No, no, do I have to be perfect? No, I, um, he's given me eternal life and I will never perish because um, of what he's done for me. And how high will it go? He's, he's preparing us for glory. He's preparing us for a, a, a time with him in completion and in heaven. But then he says, consider the depth. How low did Jesus go for us? 
he went so low. He went to a place where we don't want to go, where we can't go. Um, he went to this utter place of darkness. And then once he did this, he broke the curse. And because of that, um, on Good Friday, all of us out there who are feeling alone, you don't have to be alone. You just, you are, God is there. Just reach out to him, call out to him. Um, realize that Jesus took, took that, um, that silence, that, that aloneness for you. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Eric. Uh, Justin, do you want to add a word to that? Someone's someone's alone. They're living alone. And they're in yeah. I, I love the the promise that we have in Psalm sixty eight that says that God sets the lonely in a family, and I think that is, that is a promise. And so I think if if you're in that situation, then to ask God, even in this weird time of being uh, distant, that He would bring people around you. Um, and then, then the second thing I'd have to say in the Gospel of Mark, where when Jesus died, and, and the Bible says that the, the veil fell, right? The curtain fell to the ground, um, and so there's no longer the separation. And I think there's something to be said um, that when we, because we have this relationship now with Jesus, that we get to go be an extension of him. And so sometimes the best way to cure chronic loneliness is to give a piece of your heart away, to, to reach out and to be the extension of Christ. So I would encourage people um, in your loneliness to find others who, who may be lonely because in you extending yourself, um, you're going to bless them, but you're going to fill a hole in your own heart as well. So that's what I'd have to say real quickly to that. Amen. Good word. Okay, now Love next that. question. Uh, uh, Ken, this is going to you. Um, our kids, our kids just found out that uh, the school year is canceled. Classes are all online. How do you talk to kids? I'm thinking, I oh, mean, this is a lot to journalize, but children that are missing out on school and playtime, all the way to high school students, kids are going to miss on prom and other events. To to young adults, how do we generally understand this? What do you say to kids that are losing out on so much? I think one of the, um, the the saddest pictures for me as I drive around because I live it up, you know, near uh, Maple Ridge area is just the playgrounds. So you go by a playground, it's yellow taped. It just seems so wrong to uh, tell our kids to, to stop playing. And so, you know, my greatest advice just in a nutshell tonight is on parenting is to think love, not lecture. And even though you need your kids to stay in the homework zone, they got to do, you know, especially if they're in the high school level and they got to pass a class, there needs to be some hard love. So a lot of times I'll just coach what is called a love sandwich, start with empathy, go to the hard stuff, and then end with uh, hope. So you start with empathy and just, you kind of connect with their emotions and their feelings. Hey, I'm in this with you. I miss my friends as well. Kind of share some thoughts as a parent, your friendships that you're misconnecting. I really love this guy in the office or my small group at my church. I'm just kind of missing just being together. Then you kick into the hard, hard love, which is just constantly just saying or together saying, I know you don't want, you want to go play or you want to go at least go outside, but the reason homework's coming is for this. And for the high school level is this will just set you up you know, this, this trial that we all have and you kind of include yourself in it because you're in this as well, will, will help you um, kind of sharpen in, in, in life later. And the little ones, you just say, I, you know, I just know, know this homework's critical, but it didn't feel that way, but it's just for a short while. And then you go to hope because all kids need, 
you know, a security, a safety. I love the way Justin said, you know, say the truth, but package it with hope. And I think that's that last part, that hope love that to help them um, understand this isn't forever. And this is just a short while and we're all doing this together and our country is even healing and getting less sick day by day and give them the hope and not, uh, don't let them watch too much news, too much TV, especially the little ones. And just constantly saying we're doing the right things, washing our hands and, uh, you know, wearing a mask, you know, just so we don't make sure we get sick. And then, but Jesus is going to help us through this. Jesus is our hope. That's a really good word, Ken. I think about the greatest generation, we celebrate the greatest generation um, or our, our oldest seniors now. They weren't thinking they were the greatest generation when they were kids. They were just trying to get through uh, depression and war. And, but that shaped them, that molded them. Uh, greatly, and and let's pray that that would happen with our kids. Uh, Eric, I know you got you got a big uh, brew of kids. You want to say a quick word? On yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a perspective here too. So I, I've got nine kids, and we have um, homeschooled them the whole time. So when this order came out for us, not a lot changed because we're we're still homeschooling our, our kids, and this is a uh, um, something that um, um, you can do. I mean, ultimately. As a parent, you're responsible for your child's education. And this time is gonna be short in, in the grand scheme of time. Tell your kids in 10 years, you're gonna look back and say, hey, I, we survived the pandemic. You know, it was a little bit weird for a short period of time, but in the long run, it's not gonna, it's not much that's gonna change. And you're not gonna miss out really um, too much. You're not gonna, you know, all of us who have gone, you know, went through the high school and then later on, you realize it's just, it's you know, just gonna help them it's hard to see it, but just you know, give them the hope that of that perspective, and also that hey, homeschooling is a great option, and and there's things you can do that there's opportunities to learn things. There, I mean, I'm seeing so many things. I mean, I th do think we need to be really thankful for the technology we have. Most companies now are offering free, like Boeing has right now, um, some free training. Blue Origin and all these different companies are offering free type stuff um, online to do. And there's the real problem is just there's so much out there. What's the really good stuff? And so I encourage, you know, reach out to your homeschooling friends. And you know, we, we have some, we, all of us do it a little bit different, and we have some different advice we could give you. And just you know, have hope. Um, it's it's not going to be forever. Um, and your, your kids are going to find they're, they're, they're still going to get in good colleges and get jobs and get married and um, just have hope. That's good, Eric. Thank you. Uh, we were asking you to post questions and there were a couple of questions. Actually, many of them have been addressed. We have just one more question that the pastor is going to answer, but several, several of you posted a question sort of around this question. And I'll try to just answer it briefly in our time. And the question was, how has the uh, pandemic impacted your faith or worldview as an individual? And let me just jump in to say it's increased my faith. Uh, I think that I've lived a very privileged life uh, in the first world. And uh, when I look at um, what, what Christians have gone through uh, from, from the beginning of the very beginning followers of Jesus, they suffered for their faith. They were persecuted. Whenever the church uh, was put down, it actually grew. And so I, you read scripture and you don't, well, how do I relate to this? Because my life, had, I had it so good. And now we're all in this and we're seeing what it really looks like to put faith into action, kind of getting out of the gymnasium and out into the real world and applying it. So I'd say that, I don't know if anyone else wants to just add that. Has your faith grown through this, guys? Anyone? Yeah, I think it, for me, it's like when good times are happening, that's when you develop your thinking about faith or your theology of faith or your understanding of faith. But 
when you go through difficult, challenging times, uh, that's when you really develop faith internally. Uh, I like that verse in Job, I think it's uh, 42.5, where it says, up until now, I've heard of you, but now I know you. And I, I feel like the wrestle that Job went through, the challenging times, really built his faith in a way where he, he learned to trust God. Even though things didn't go the way that he wanted them to go, he learned to trust God. And God brought back everything that he had lost. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's an amazing story that builds us faith. And I think, so for me, uh, these challenging times make us wrestle with God. We question God like David did. And sometimes you get frustrated and mad at God. But then uh, we come out the other end and we realize we've learned to trust him and he's done as well. Amen. Okay, thank you so much for watching. And, and if you've watched the, our whole time, you've been with us in worship and questions. We've saved the best for last, the final question of, of our evening. And here it is. Thousands of people have lost loved ones. Tens of thousands are sick and millions have lost their jobs. What does Christianity have? Does Christianity have answers to real life problems? What does the resurrection mean today anyway? Is it just a good moral lesson about love or is there more to it? What makes Easter, Resurrection Sunday, good news? We're going to ask Rob from Imagine Church to tee that one up. Wow. Thanks for that question. You know, first of all, I think all of our hearts are obviously go out to anyone who's lost a loved one through this. That is um, kind of the ultimate tragedy in all of this. But the thing about the resurrection to your question is, is the resurrection gives us an answer that no other possible worldview could ever give to us. And Jesus, you know, with all of the troubles that we have, the, the crisis, the pandemics, the, you know, financial things that we go through, the health things that we go through, so many trials and tribulations, and life has a lot of ups, but it also has a lot of downs and valleys and tough times, and like we're going through right now. And, uh, you know, Jesus in his ministry made a lot of promises, okay? He, he, made, a lot, he made a lot of very bold claims. Um, and, and, and the thing is, is when we look at the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus is the Father's stamp of approval. It's the Father's vindication that everything Jesus promised is as good as, it's as solid as it could possibly be. So when Jesus says, you know, I give you my peace, or when Jesus says, if you follow me, if you believe in me, I'll give you everlasting life, we know based on a historical resurrection from the dead, not a philosophy or scripture or belief system, but an actual historical event, we know that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, that everything he spoke is, is absolutely true because he backed up his words with an historical resurrection from the dead. And that, ladies and gentlemen, gives us the ultimate hope 
an anchor to our souls that can never be shaken. And, you know, Jesus said this when Martha and Mary, they, they'd lost their, their brother, they'd lost a loved one, Lazarus, and he was, he was dead. And this actually preceded the, the, the crucifixion. And it was the last major miracle that Jesus did before he was crucified. And it was his attack on our greatest enemy, which is death. And, you know, the doctors might come up with a vaccine and solutions and all these things, and they might beat the coronavirus. But at the end of the day, we're all still going to die someday. Jesus beat death. And, you know, he said this, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And he backs that up with an historical resurrection from the dead. And, you know, the disciples, the first century eyewitness community, they said, we, we, we handled him, we touched him, we spoke with him, we saw him. They were not putting their faith in a belief or a pie in the sky or just some, some wild philosophy. They said, we've seen him crucified and we've seen him risen from the dead. And they were willing to die for what they claimed to had seen. That is an incredible amount of, of, of testimony and faith and historicity that we can take with us and have great confidence that Jesus said, there might be suffering in this life and we might lose loved ones and hard things coming. But what Jesus promised in the next life, in the life to come, there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more viruses there'll be no more death. And I think that is the wonderful, incredible news of the resurrection that nothing can take away from us. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. Steve, do you want to have a... I, I got to say this, you guys. I, I think what Rod, Rob is, is sharing is so central to who we are as Christians, and it's eternal. And there's also... a. Uh, a right here, right now aspect of death, burial, and resurrection. This whole idea of this pattern that Jesus set for us, the way that he, how he lived, what he went through on the cross. It says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. In other words, he saw something on the other side of the cross. He knew that as he was going through this suffering, that there was something awaiting him on the other side. But there was a joy that was awaiting him. It wasn't just feeling better. It was a joy knowing that we'd be set free and he, knowing that he was giving us a pattern to follow as well so that we could not only have eternal life, but we could also experience the kingdom here on earth uh, as it is in heaven. And so this whole idea of death, burial and resurrection is something that we wrestle with with Good Friday. We think about the death and the suffering and we recognize that Jesus gets our suffering. He gets it when we go through loss. He gets us when we gets it when we feel pain. He gets it. But things die. Uh, we lose loved ones. Um, dreams die. Marriages sometimes die. And uh, things die. And, and Jesus is there with us when we have to put something to death or leave something behind. And he shows us that it's not over. It's not over because there's a joy on the other side. There's a joy coming, right? And then there's the burial. When he goes into the tomb, there's times when you, when you experience death, you go into a burial where 
it's like there's a grieving process, a loss. There's a, this feeling of emptiness and there's lessons that are learned. And the scripture tells us that Jesus went and came back with keys to death, you know, keys of death and the grave. And, and he came back to set us free. But you know what? That's what we do when we go through death and, and grieving and, and where we feel stuck or buried in life circumstances. We get the keys. God shows us things. We learn things. We get scriptures. We get wisdom. We, we get this connection with God like never before as we're going through those things. And so we ourselves get buried sometimes. But then the idea is we don't stay in that state. But some people want to go straight from the death to the resurrection, and they don't want to work the process that God needs to work out in their soul as they're learning life's lessons. And this pattern of death, burial, resurrection is something for us today, but then it ends up with resurrection. And I love this passage. I, I, I wrote this passage down in, in uh, Romans 8, 11. It says, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through his spirit who lives within you. You know, the greater one lives inside of us. And just like Jesus rose, we're going to rise. And so when we go through challenging times, we learn our lessons. We come back with some keys so that we can go help set other people free. And we rise up and we move into the next season. We move into a new vision, a new dream, a new life, new decisions, new relationships, and God rises up on the inside of us. So yes, we, we recognize the suffering that Jesus went through, and, and we know that he recognizes our suffering. We, he, we go through the burial where we learn to process with God, but then we rise. And if we don't rise, we're, we are just leaving him in the tomb. So I just invite everybody to make the decision to let the Holy One, the, the, the greater one that lives within you, raise you up, lift you up during this season because the great, our greatest days are ahead. It's not over. Our best days are to come. Beautiful. Sean, will you, just with all of this, it's so full. Will you lead us in prayer, Sean? Yeah, I... I I love what Steve just said. I, one of the things I think just as we pray tonight, we, we need to realize one, God is not Zeus. God is not up in heaven throwing lightning bolts at the earth and, and we're all just trying to duck. He's not trying to, you know, teach us a lesson from, you know, he doesn't set up the hard stuff. You know, sometimes life is just life and we're experiencing sometimes just the challenges of life. And his promise to us is though, you, you know, you may have challenges, but, but, he, but he says, fear not, I have overcome the world. In this life, you will have challenges, but I've overcome. So even though we have challenges, the invitation is for us to, is to connect and be in unity with the one who is overcome. And, and when Jesus is, Jesus is on the cross, we have, a, we have a savior that literally experienced in that moment. And this is what I think is so beautiful. And this is what we need to know tonight as we go into this. That in the cross, on that moment where he's saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm, quoting Psalms, as Eric was saying, that at that moment, Jesus is experiencing the total human experience. He is experiencing the very thing that Adam and Eve experienced at the fall. Immediately when Adam and Eve, you know, when, when, when the enemy lied to Adam and Eve and told them that they were nothing, 
and that they need to eat this apple to be something, to know something. The first thing they did on upon that discovery of eating the apples, they went and they hid. They hid because now they believed something about God that wasn't true. They hid in shame. They hid in fear. And they hid in that separation, that fear of rejection and that, that, that recognizing that they're naked and they immediately covered themselves. But what was the most beautiful thing that God did when they covered themselves? He came after them. Come on. He came after them and said, who told you you were naked? This is not how I've created you. This is not how I designed you. At that moment, all of heaven went in and said, we need to dive into the deepest darkness of this. Jesus dove into our deepest darkness and blew this thing up from the inside. And so when he is on the cross, blowing this thing up from the inside, he's saying, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? But the most beautiful thing is, is that he's experiencing what he feels is fear, abandonment, and rejection. But if we read 2 Corinthians, it was God reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting the people's sins against him as he committed us to the message of reconciliation. At that moment that Christ is on the cross, feeling the most abandonment, the Father is in him reconciling the world to himself. God did not go anywhere. And he has not gone anywhere from you. And where you are tonight, you may be feeling like God is a million miles away. And I want to tell you that Habakkuk, you know, it says, God, you're too pure and you're too holy. You can't look upon sin. And yet you do. Our father is not afraid. He says, While we were yet dead in our trespasses, Christ died. While we are living in this, this place of not knowing, feeling rejected, feeling separated, God is right there and has been there the entire time. And so tonight I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that even in this time of trial, God is there. He is there right now. He is right next to you. He's knocking on your door. He is saying, "Be just, just wake up. Wake up to what it is that I already know about you, that you are a new creation. You can be everything that it is that I've created you to be. And, and, and as Steve was saying, all of those challenges and all those trials, they are better when you know that you are going through this with Papa and you are going with the Holy Spirit. And so I get, I get fired up. I get fired up because I've even experienced in this time, I've even experienced my own fears. And I've had to be able to take those fears to the Father and say, okay, Lord, what do you say about this? What do you think about this? And ask Holy Spirit, okay, this is the lie I'm believing. And we have an encounter. We have a, 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 a principle that we, when a lie comes to our mind, we just laugh at that. And we just say, you know, when, when the enemy tells me I'm rejected, I'm a no one, I just go, <laughs> not true. And I declare what the truth is. And so I, I just, I want to stand, sit, square, whatever we're doing right now with my friends. And I just want to pray for you. And I just want to give you an opportunity to discover the peace that passes all understanding. And the beautiful thing about the peace that passes all understanding is we may not entirely understand it, but there is a peace. He is a good, good father. He is such a good father. And he wants to be a good father to you tonight. And if you are the one you're sitting there thinking, I have done too much. I have gone too far away. There is nothing that this God is interested in doing to me. You know, I want to invite you to understand the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is just that. It is a son that went to his father and basically said, I would rather have you dead. Just give me my inheritance. He went and squandered that inheritance. He blew it all. And then what did he do? He's sitting in the pig pen and he hatches a plan. He doesn't hatch a plan to go back and be a son. He hatches a plan to go back and be an employee. And he gets out of the pig pen. And as he's marching back, the father is already waiting on the road. And some of the things that we don't really get sometimes about that beautiful story is he's getting ready to, 
to repent, you know, and a lot of people say, well, his heart was in the right place. No, his heart was entirely in the wrong place. He did not want to be a son. He wanted to be an employee. But the father sees the son on the road. And before he can even get those words out of his mouth, he didn't repent. Before he could even get those words out of his mouth, the father says, get me the robe, cut the, kill the fatted calf. We are going to throw a party. My son has come home. And I want to declare over you tonight, I want to declare over you tonight that the father is already killed the fatted calf waiting to throw a party in your honor because he wants to just release his love into you and see you come into the fullness of relationship with him. So tonight we want to celebrate with you. And so, so <laughs> I hit my phone. So Father God, I just right now, I pray for every single mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, son, daughter, that is here, that is, that is in the sound of our voice tonight. And Father God, I just release your presence over them right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and you would bring peace where there is fear. I ask that you would bring joy where there is mourning. Father, I pray that where there is sadness, you would bring comfort. And sometimes that joy that comes doesn't mean you're laughing, but there is a joy. There is a righteousness, peace, and joy that is the kingdom that comes over you that knows that in my time of grieving that I have a father that loves me and cares for me and understands what it is I'm going for Lord, through. And so, Father, I just release that tonight. Those who are mourning, Father, those who are struggling, we just declare your provision. And Father, those that don't know you or those who feel like they have been afar from you, Father, we just release right now your love into their lives. And if you need to know what to say, it's simple. You can just say, Jesus, I just received the gift that you have given. That's the beauty of this gift. There isn't any gymnastics that you have to do to get there. It is the, it is the gift of just receiving what it is that he has done. And so you can just say, Father, I, I don't understand it. I may not even get it. I don't even know. But Lord, I receive this gift that you have given me. And I want to know that you're good. And if you prayed that prayer tonight, if you prayed that prayer, whatever page that you're on, whether it's encounter or imagine or, or real life or whatever, whatever page it is you're on, you can hit the message um, and you can message those churches or message somebody you know who is a believer and message and just say, hey, I made a decision for the Lord tonight. I have no idea what I just did, but I know it was the right thing and I knew Holy Spirit was calling me. And, and we would love to just connect with you and just let you encounter what it is to be in a community of believers who honestly, we are all going through the same thing. We are hashtag in this together. No one has done this journey that we are in right now. And so the best part of it is that we don't do this journey alone. We do this journey with the love of the Father dwelling in us, being our strength, the joy of the Lord being our strength, counting it all joy when we endure trial because it produces hope. So we love you guys, and we are so excited that you you joined us this evening. And uh, I don't know, does anybody have any closing thoughts? Sorry, I got fired up there. Woo! Love it, Sean. Thank you so much. Uh, on behalf of everyone here, all of these pastors, we want we want to express our our love to you, our care for you. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, empower you and lead you to a beautiful and blessed and enriching Easter celebration of our risen Savior. Hallelujah. He is risen. We'll see you Sunday. Amen. Amen.